Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here in these podcasts. This week we're having another in our occasional series meeting our Church Society Trust parishes and I'm talking to Martin Young who's going to tell you where he's based. I'm the vicar of a church called St Andrews in the centre of Norwich and, uh, and also the chaplain of Norwich University of the Arts alongside that. And, uh, and as we know, we have three centres of excellence in this country, Oxford, Cambridge and Norwich. Of course, yeah. In, in <laughs> the immortal words of Alan Partridge. So, you know, you're at the, the heart of, of that. Yeah, well, we very much look up to Alan Partridge as, uh, as one of our <laughs> local heroes, local boy done good. Yeah. Great. And how long have you been there? Uh, I've been in Norwich since 2001. I came as a, a curate at Holy Trinity Church. Uh, okay. Before I was there for four years, and then uh, we moved over to St Andrews in two thousand and five. So that's fourteen years ago, or thirteen and a half, something like that. Great. And could you just give us an idea of uh, what your patch is like? Who lives there, and and uh, yeah, what what are the sort of things yeah. going on? Where do they work? And yeah, okay. Well, uh, truth is, almost no one lives there. <laughs> so it really is a city centre. About 100 years ago, there were 2,000 people in the parish, apparently, but uh, the parish is about the size of a large swimming pool. You know, it's really tiny. And um, uh, now there are, I think the last, the last time I knew the figure, there were about 11 people who lived in the parish. And Including you? No, no, I live about two miles away. <laughs> no one else lives there, so I don't see why I should. Um, and uh, so we have... Uh, no one from the parish comes to the church. Um, they're, they're generally people who live above shops, that kind of thing. Um, the the people who do come to the church come from, like us, from the suburbs or villages around Norwich. And in the parish, uh, there's a mix of... On one side, uh, there is uh, retail, and uh, you know, there's sort of the heart of Norwich, which is a really great shopping city uh, it's really uh, very vibrant and uh, and particularly one little area of that that's called the Norwich Lanes and the Norwich Lanes is a kind of old medieval set of little streets um, and uh, and it's all sort of made up with boutique kind of shops Oh, it sounds delightful. Yeah, I've never been to Norwich, and now I now I feel I should go. It, it's really nice. You should definitely come. Yeah. And it's, I, I wonder lovely. if um, one of the reasons maybe why you say it's so vibrant and, and great is because it's sufficiently far from anywhere else that it, it's not being, um, you know, people are not being hived yeah. off to... London yeah, this this is one of our great secrets. So the the A11 was recently turned into a dual carriageway, and I had mixed feelings about that. It's easier to travel, but it does mean people will come in and uh, spoil our little island paradise. Yeah, and more people maybe will go the other way as well. <laughs> yeah. And who knows what that will be like. So, okay, so very uh, interesting uh, parish. What about your church then? Um, what sort of people do you get? What kind of church is it? Is it um, how, how many people do you get on a Sunday? Just give yeah, us a yeah. flavour of what St Andrews is like. Okay, well, um, you know, we're very blessed actually to have a real mix of people in the church. And 
So there's a, a lovely mix of ages from 0 to 98, I think our oldest uh, member is, and, uh, and, and there's sort of a smooth transition all the way up through the ages, bunch of families in the, in the middle, and so it's very nice. Uh, we've got a, a mix of social, educational backgrounds, uh, which I personally really treasure. You know, I thank God that we, we have that, we have one another. Um, and, uh, and I guess it hasn't always been an evangelical church. So long, long ago, in the Puritan era, era it was a, a, a hotbed of Puritanism, Really? Yeah, yeah, it, was, uh, it had Wonderful. a terrific uh, history, and then something went wrong <laughs> over uh, the next <laughs> few hundred years. Um, when I arrived, it was uh, it, it was close to closing, I guess, within a few years of closing, which is why the bishop then was willing to put me in the parish. I see, there, even though it didn't have an evangelical tradition absolutely. at that point. Absolutely. There were about... 25 very elderly people. Um, they had a, a strong choral tradition and uh, they valued that uh, very much as a sort of liberal Catholic. Um, we started a new congregation alongside that one and the two ran concurrently for a few years. After four years, the truth is so many of the original congregation had died or become infirm that it wasn't really viable anymore so that then closed and so, so that's never really since. you you effectively were almost starting from scratch i mean you know a little core congregation there but effectively the the sort of new yeah. service that you started you were you were starting with nothing well we were we were allowed to take a, a few people we were allowed to invite a few people from holy trinity um, so I was leaving as curate from there, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a church plant in the way that you would really plan to do it. Um, I could probably write a book, How Not to Plant a <laughs> Church, but um, uh, we were allowed to take just a few people, and, uh, yeah, okay. and they formed the core of a new congregation. And what was your strategy at that point? How did you grow that new congregation from just that really small seed? Well, that's... Uh, uh, that that was uh, really hard work in a way. I mean, it was a, a you know lovely time, uh, a small congregation, highly committed to one another, and you know there was a lot of blessing in that time. Um, but we had a terrible time of the day to meet, sort of early in the morning, and uh, you know it wasn't ideally suited to growing. Um, the heating in the church was appalling, and all sorts of you know technical di difficulties that you know made it hard, and uh, so that was it was much easier when there was only one congregation in the morning. But I guess uh, the heart of a, a church like ours, where there's no real parish, will always be aiming for relational growth, um, and I suppose also one of the the wonders of the Church of England, that people will just walk in off the street. They see a church building, they kind of want to connect with God in some way, and they think this is the place to do it. And so we've always had a, a few people just wander in like that. 
Yeah, so I was going to ask then, do you have stuff that happens midweek? Is the church open during the week? If it's in the city centre, presumably there are people around yeah, yeah. Um, who could just be passing by. Well, we, we have, uh, on Thursday lunch times, we have a Bible talk for city workers. Okay. And that's been a, a great opportunity, really, for ministry uh, to... Uh, share the gospel with you know, a number of people who have become Christians over the years through that, they haven't always ended up in our church because people come in to work from Norwich, from Great Yarmouth and from Deerham, you know, places that are half yeah. an hour so away. So Sunday church might might be somewhere quite different. Indeed, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it serves people who might live very far away and might never end up coming on a Sunday. Um but you know we do we do feel that that is part of our mission and our privilege if uh, if you live at, in great yarmouth on the coast 30 minutes from norwich and you sit at a desk next to somebody who comes from deerham 30 minutes in the other direction there's no way that you're going to be able to bring them to your church on a sunday but you can say let's go up the road and listen to a talk it's a you know it's like five minutes away. Bring a yeah. sandwich, and that's worked really well. That's really great, really great to hear. Um, so I mean that's just given us a little bit of a flavour of the kind of journey the church has been on over these last mm. fourteen years or so. Um, I mean I normally ask what what are the sort of what have been the big challenges and the what are the opportunities of serving where you are. I mean I guess some of those uh, we've maybe mentioned, but I don't know whether there's other things that you say that we feel are a real challenge now mm. perhaps rather than when you were just starting mm. or real opportunities that you have um, yeah well i think i think the building is um is a challenge and an opportunity okay so is it a very old yeah building 500 years old it's uh, grade one listed it's in simon jenkins england's thousand best churches you know it's a be- beautiful building and uh, you know it's it's lovely, and you know, it's, uh, uh, it provides us with a, a dry place to meet. We've got the heating sorted, and it's, uh, and it's warm on a Sunday morning, mostly at least, when the heating's fully working. And so rent-free, we have a bit of prime real estate in the middle of the city that you could not rent you know, for love or money if you, if you wanted to start something like that yes if you were starting a normal sort of church plant you're looking at school halls or community spaces you're not usually looking at city center prime high street locations are you so that's yeah yes and it's and it's it's right there you know where where people are in the in the middle of the week for i guess about a third of their lives when they're not uh sleeping or having breakfast um and so that's a, a super opportunity. People do come in and uh, we share the gospel as best we can in that. Um, at the same time, uh, we've got a church that's full of pews uh, that the Victorian Society are very keen on. And we, uh, we're, we're working now. We've made all sorts of little changes to the building over the years to make it more usable. We're working now towards a, a, a proper reordering and hoping to get rid of the pews uh, and uh, perhaps install some sort of cafe uh, that would enable more interface with the community. 
that sounds wonderful, a, a cafe in that sort of location sounds like a huge uh, opportunity. Do you have any other usable space, any kind of church hall or built, you know, where do you have Sunday school? Just our homes. Yeah. Just our homes, yeah. Yeah, that's a challenge, isn't yeah. it, to think about how do we do some things we might want to do as a church, um, if that's the only sort of big communal space you've got. Absolutely, yeah. So we've got no, we've got no social space and it's not a flexible space so any of the things that you might normally think of doing to connect with your community you know parents and toddler group or or something like that you can't have toddlers running around or at least it's not an inviting space to have toddlers running around where there's all bits of stone they might trip over and bash themselves it just doesn't bear thinking about does it you wouldn't begin the risk assessment for that um so uh, so, you know, in the future, God willing, we'll be able to do that sort of thing. But as it is, uh, we've, we've got our homes or there's a, there's a little area of pews that we've cleared out in the church and, and made a social space, you know, and that's fine, but it's not really adequate for the things we could do. So it's somewhere you can sort of serve coffee after the service, that sort of thing, but that's about the limit. That's right. Yeah, yeah. so that that is a, a real challenge, isn't it? But exciting to think about plans for that I mean one of the things I usually ask in these um uh podcasts where we're focusing on our our parishes is what what would be your hopes and dreams for what St Andrews would be like as a church what would have happened what you'd be doing in 10 years time and I guess uh reordering the building would be one of those things absolutely yeah that I mean that is a key objective at the moment is uh it's a it's it's an open door, it's an open goal on the one hand, but it's also a considerable obstacle at the moment to effective ministry with people where we are called to serve in the city centre. And so that's a, a really key thing for us to uh, try and move forward with that. We've got a little project team who are working on it at the moment. Obviously, that's going to turn out to be an enormously expensive operation. And we just have to look to the Lord to provide for us. Yeah. Yes, I mean, these things are never cheap, but they're particularly not cheap when you're in a grade one listed building. Yeah. And, you know, one of the top thousand churches in the country and, yeah, and yeah. all of that. Everything has to be the most expensive way of doing it, no doubt. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. OK, great. Um, Marcel, I just wanted to ask you about a couple of other uh, things. Well, firstly, maybe I'll ask you um, with respect to St Andrews. Um, so this is, is our sort of uh, occasional series on the podcast Uh, introducing people to some of our church society trust parishes Mm. you are a church society trust parish can can you tell us how long you have been a church society trust parish Uh, a matter of months I can't remember exactly when it uh, when it finally went through but it was just a few months ago great Um, and that's really exciting um, for us we're always excited when we have new churches uh, that we are uh, that we're able to take on the the patronage of. Could you tell us a little bit about um, how and why that that change happened in terms of your patronage? Yeah, well, uh, we really appreciated some input from Dick Farr. Um, We invited him over uh, to do a, a morning seminar for some of our local clergy and church wardens and PCC members on securing the succession, uh, partly uh, 
something that we've been thinking about, partly something that came out of Renew yeah. and the importance that's highlighted there. So just to say, um, uh, if people don't know, Dick Farr is the chairman of the Church Society Trust Patronage Board, and he has done a lot of work on how patronage works and thinking about this kind of whole securing yeah. your church. Uh, there is a leaflet which you can download for free from the Church Society website on looking for a vicar that he's written. And that, I would say, would be a really great starting point with your PCC in church. You don't have to be on the point of leaving to yeah. give that to your PCC and say, let's just start thinking about as and when, you know, in the fullness of time, yeah. you might be looking for a new vicar, whether that's in 20 years' time or whatever. What could we do now that would make that a better Absolutely. process? So, okay, sorry. So you had this meeting, and Dick came and talked about that. Well, let, let me let me give an extra plug oh, yeah. for, for Dick. You know, just to say, uh, it, you know, the testimony of a, a number of lay people, especially, who came to that was that it was a real eye-opener. Right. And it... It was brilliant for awareness of what could happen and what you need to do in order to make the right thing happen. And we partly invited him, as I say, because of Renew, but also because of awareness of the way in which a, a church appointment process can go wrong yeah. and where gospel opportunities can be missed. Dioceses are not always supportive of gospel-hearted churches looking to mm. get gospel-hearted ministers and so it was actually out of that certainly none of us at that point were saying that we're doing this because we're wanting to leave sure and, and so very helpful how, how long ago did you then did that meeting happen I'm just interested to see sort of how you know how long this whole process has, has taken well I think we had already thought uh, deliberately about transferring the patronage about a year before that and so for us personally it was a, a, a helpful informative time to really firm up our, our decision to go ahead with that we'd, we'd pretty much decided a year before but we said uh, perhaps I should explain that our church unusually owned its own patronage oh that is unusual yeah so in the Puritan era the Puritan burghers of Norwich bought the patronage of St Andrews in order to ensure that gospel ministers were placed there. Obviously, that yeah. that strategy didn't work out quite as well as they had hoped in the, the past, but it actually yeah. set you up in a really great Absolutely. position. So if people aren't aware, changing patronage uh, is actually very straightforward in the Church of England these days. You can't buy it or sell mm. it, but you can transfer it very easily provided the current patrons agree that's yeah, basically absolutely. all that has to happen is they have and to agree <laughs> and so if that's you you then don't have to go to another trust or to the bishop or a landowner or whoever it is yeah. and say would you be interested in doing that you can just decide that's great yeah and and so you felt that it would be better for the long-term future of the church for it to be held by an organization like church society yeah than yeah. continue with the present arrangement yeah, now we've got a terrific PCC, we've got completely solid church wardens, and I would have no worry at all about them choosing the next vicar. But uh, you know, things don't always work out so simply. Uh, personnel change when you don't expect them to change, 
dioceses get involved and can often strong arm even strong PCCs and frankly manipulate them with their greater knowledge and having someone like Church Society on board is a real bulwark against that. Yes and I, I just wonder as well because if you're in a situation where you don't have any external patrons in a sense you're just left with your church representatives and the, and the diocese yeah. whereas with a patron a separate patron you still get church lay representatives as a key part of the Absolutely. process but you're yeah. just bringing in an additional um yeah. uh, sort of organization who can stand with you and, Absolutely. and yeah. sort of almost be two against one if that's needed yeah, yeah. so th- that was exactly our thinking and so Thank you, Church Society Trust, <laughs> for accepting our patronage. Oh, well, you're very welcome. We're, we're glad to have you. And I guess um, the big thing, obviously, that patrons do is to do with that appointment process. So as and when a, a new incumbent is appointed, we would be involved in that. I wonder more generally whether uh, you have any hopes or, or ideas of, of what that relationship might look like with the patrons. I know... I mean, I'm not really involved in the patronage work mm. of church society, but I know our, our patronage board are, are keen to develop sort of longer-term, ongoing relationships with some of our churches, and I wonder if you feel um, there's, there's benefit uh, for your church in that as well. Yeah, certainly would. Um, especially if we can persuade Lee or Dick or someone to come and preach for us from uh, time to time, that'd be a, a huge benefit. But I, I do think if the patrons haven't waited until there's a vacancy before turning up then that's going to really help the relationship when there's a vacancy and there's going to be a a bank of trust that's already built up and um, so you know I I know Church Society Trust is very proactive in building those relationships and uh, so uh, we certainly look forward to you know, welcoming that that for ourselves. Yes, and we try to be, and it's not always easy with all of our churches, but just things like praying for our churches regularly and um, trying to have conversations with yeah. um, incumbents and, and occasional visits, and so that, as you say, when because we never know with you know with the best of mind, you never quite know when you might suddenly be in an interregnum. Um, yeah. Actually, you don't want to be strangers at that point yeah. um, as we're, we're thinking about the process of appointment. So, great. That's really exciting and, and we're very glad to have you. And if um, people are listening to this thinking, well, I wonder if my church could uh, change its patronage, uh, do get in touch with us and, and we'd be glad to see um, how we could help you uh, through that. Yeah. Um, a couple of other uh, sort of more general things I wanted to ask you about. I know you're involved in something called the Josiah Fellowship um, in Norwich. Could you just tell us a little bit about what that is? And um, Yeah. Um, it's not just for people called Josiah. Oh, good. <laughs> Although it is an increasingly popular name it among is. small children, I think. But, yeah. Um, so, a, a number of years ago, um, there was a Diocesan Evangelical Fellowship in our diocese and it closed really due to lack of interest. It just folded. I guess people had splintered into new wine or reform or whichever other network or stream they might have felt more personally engaged by. And and we were at a Dustin 
clergy conference, I guess, seven years ago or something, I just can't really remember when, and uh, a few of us were talking and, and we felt that it was important that there was some way for us to network. I guess we all felt alone um, in the big expanse of Norfolk. Uh, It's quite rural, people are are spread out, and you felt like you were alone as a Reformed Evangelical in the diocese. And we discovered each other, and that was a real encouragement for us. So we formed ourselves up as a local chapter of church society, actually, we we felt that church society um, was uh, gave us a, a good place to stand, a solid doctrinal basis, a long history, and a, a simple way for us to welcome new members without grilling them for two hours on their theology. <laughs> we could just say, "Well, look, here we are. You know, we're local chapter of church society. If you." happy to join church society we'd love you to come along and be part of our yeah that's helpful isn't it you don't always want to say someone you don't know yeah come and join our fellowship which is for people who are like-minded until you know how like-minded they are yeah but but equally having that conversation initially yeah yeah it's a bit and you've got and you've got to be able to stand together and so you do want to know that the other people do have the same kind of approach to the Bible and uh, to the gospel as you have. And we call ourselves Josiah Fellowship uh, because our aim is to promote the word in the diocese, as good King Josiah did so many years ago in his sphere of influence. And so we do that by aiming to encourage each other, to equip each other. Um, Occasionally one of us has prepared a little paper on on an issue to share and then discuss um, or by working together. So we've uh, established the Norwich Anglican Bible Conference. It's been running a few years, just uh, once a year we get together and see- seeking to promote the word through somebody coming and, uh, and doing a day of exposition for us to encourage us and, uh, and to give others a taste for the word. Mm. And how many of you are involved in, in that fellowship approximately? I, I think... Um, Maybe there's about 13 to 15, something like that, including uh, we've had a couple of uh, military chaplains recently. One of them's uh, just moved on. A couple of uh, retired clergy as part of that. We appreciate them being part of our fellowship. Um, One or two are curates, probably mainly incumbents. But it's quite an encouraging number when we used to feel alone. Yes, exactly. And actually just feeling, oh, actually, I'm I'm not the only person in this, this sort of end of the, the country kind of. Uh, and, and to have people you can phone up and ask for prayer and phone up and let them know what's going on and, and do things together. That sounds really uh, wonderful um, and encouraging. And, and I know around the country, there are different kinds of groups, aren't there? In some places, there are sort of renew groups or, you know, other sorts of organisations. But actually... Um, yeah, I love that idea of, of calling yourselves a church society chapter and and um, and just making that very simple indeed. And I know you mentioned um, that there used to be a diocesan evangelical fellowship, but I think you said recently uh, there's been a new sort of revival of that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think we're aware in our little fellowship, certainly we've been aware that 
um, we can encourage one another, but especially for um, for uh, political action, for co-belligerence, it's not enough just to stand uh, with those who with whom we most closely associate. And there is a wider spectrum of evangelicals with whom we see eye to eye on most things. And and we need to stand together. There are threats to the gospel at the moment, and there are things we can learn from each other and ways that we can encourage each other. So I've been part recently of, uh, of reviving the Diocesan Evangelical Fellowship, which actually was finally reconstituted just about two months ago. And right. so, uh, so it's in its very early stages, but we've got a broad spectrum of people. Have you had a meeting? We have had a committee meeting. A yes. committee meeting. There you yeah. go. That's so it's like real. a place it's to happening. start. <laughs> I'm interested to, to see how that goes. In my diocese in Litchfield, uh, we have not had a, a DEF for a few years. And uh, a new one is, is sort of being launched with our first meeting next month. Great. And again, a, a part of that recognising the situation that we're in, we need to be standing together with people yeah. um, slightly more broadly with whom we agree on a lot of things that are at issue at the moment absolutely and yeah. and um uh, i'm really encouraged that actually our def is is sort of really the brainchild of one of the new wine guys in our diocese and and yeah. they sort of come together with the the conservatives and said can you know do you think we can get something going um there so i'm i'm encouraged that that's happening uh, in other dioceses as well yeah so that's really exciting uh, to hear it feels like um god is doing a lot of things uh, in Norwich and in Norfolk. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and and I, I would say that the evangelical church is growing right. in our diocese as well, which is very encouraging to see in the time that I've been here. The number of evangelical Anglican churches has increased within Norwich quite considerably. Um, they're not all church society parishes sure. or ones who sign up the church society. We've had a uh, an HTB plant, which has uh, done a good work of mm. uh, planting and supporting other churches locally. And so, yeah, the Lord is at work mm. and, uh, and we're thankful for that. That's really wonderful to hear gospel ministry growing in that sort of way. Um, finally, as I've mentioned, we, we do like to pray for our, our Church Society Trust parishes. We uh, include them in our, our regular prayer diary, but there's only usually room for, for kind of one or two brief sentences in that. So this is really your chance to, to tell us uh, in a little bit more detail, any things that you'd like us to be praying for, for for you or for the church, or or indeed the the kind of bigger things we've mentioned as well. Yeah, well, we have uh, this uh, project on to reorder the church. Thankfully, there's no one that I know of in the congregation that would it be anything other than supportive, um, and. Uh, yes, it's an, enor- an enormous task to take on. And so we would very much value your prayers for uh, uh, the Lord's guidance as we go through that process and for the Lord's provision so that uh, we can make it happen. We are very aware that we don't have the resources on our own at all, so we need to look to the Lord to provide. And, and we don't want that to be a distraction as well from the immediate primary work of gospel ministry and 
again, I guess we feel we've got a long way to go in terms of our own evangelism and uh, being an, a, an effective evangelistic missionary congregation in our situation. And we, we'd love uh, your prayer for uh, the Lord to make us a more effective evangelistic church in the city of Norwich. Great. Those are great things we will certainly be praying for. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us, Martin. And um, I just want to say welcome to St Andrews uh, to Church Society. We're really thank glad to have you. Thank you very much. I hope you're as encouraged as I am by these uh, podcasts where we meet some of our parishes and hear what God is doing in churches up and down the country, often in places that we've never heard of, churches that we've never heard of. And yet God is growing his kingdom uh, in all kinds of ways. Really exciting uh, to hear what he has been doing in a church that 15 years ago was almost dead uh, and is now very much uh, alive and growing and looking to the future. If you're interested in learning more about patronage, uh, if you'd like to invite Dick Farr to come and speak to, to people at your church or perhaps in your local area or diocese about that whole process of securing uh, your uh, evangelical ministry in a church, not just for this generation, but into the future, uh, please do get in touch with us at the church office, admin at churchsociety.org, and we'd be really glad to see what we can do. Uh, to help you with that. Don't forget as well Dick's little booklet um, that you can just download and print off uh, for as many as you need on your PCC uh, or others in your church looking for a vicar uh, that's on the website. I'll put links to that in the blog post that goes along with this podcast. Thanks so much for listening and do tune in again next time. Mm-hmm.